everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about Episode 2 of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, spoilers ahead for the show. It just came out today, and it's a doozy. So we are going to dive right in. Episode 2 is titled The Star-Spangled Man, and it comes in at the exact same runtime as the first episode, which is really impressive, honestly. Uh, I really hope that they make each of these episodes this length. I really noticed it this time around that that's a really good amount of time. Uh, I always felt like on WandaVision that those early episodes just ended so quickly and abruptly and and multiple times during this show i was like oh is it about to end and nope it kept going which was great so i think 50 minutes is the sweet spot for sure but this episode really dives deeper into the relationship between sam and bucky it also gives us a little bit of background around uh john walker the new captain america we also get a bunch of surprise guests who i don't think anyone i think people were definitely expecting it i know we've talked about it on prior shows but uh certainly weren't expecting it in this second episode and then it also we get we get a little sneak peek of of kind of who's to come i guess you could say at the very end of this episode so let's dive right in the episode opens up with john walker back at his high school which i believe if i caught it right was custer's uh ground or something like that i was trying to remember who custer uh i think custer was a general in the civil war i'm sure i don't think there's any bearing to the show but he's back at the high school and you know i I really liked this scene because, and and I don't think I made it a secret when I was talking about, maybe I did, maybe I never said it, when I was watching the trailers for Captain, or for the show, there was a bit in the trailers that never really hit right with me, which was when, uh, when John Walker is running out onto the stadium field, and he high fives the band member, and goes up onto the there's just something about that scene that i didn't like i think it was the way that the band member was acting uh, I, i'm not a huge fan of people who overact and it really looked like it so i was like uh, great like we're gonna here comes that sort of scene they made it so good in this in this show and i, I think that's just a testament to uh, marvel obviously but sadly it's a detriment to the trailers because there's another piece that's in this trailer where they're talking about the big three and there's another piece as well there's multiple obviously there's a ton of parts in the trailer that are in this episode the big fights and they're a little bit different than they were in the trailer actually the scene i'm thinking of is is there's the bit where they're walking home or they're walking after they got defeated by the flag smashers and we're going to dive into this in a more linear view but i just wanted to touch on this that as they're walking back he's talking about oh you know the gears are turning Uh uh-oh you know it's on fire i also didn't like that in the trailers it sounded really corny the way that it was delivered and the delivery was changed in the show and actually made it better he says it a lot quicker he doesn't wait as long for a pause so there's a lot of improvements that this show made immediately from the trailers which is a great shout out so this first one being being a big piece of it which is we now are getting a solid backstory of john walker and honestly after watching just that beginning i like him i like john walker and i think that's what they're trying to get you for is because at the end of this first episode you know he comes out he gives that dopey smile and a wink and you just hate him right off the bat you hate him for everything that he that he has done to bucky or not bucky to sam 
and everything that he's going to be doing to Captain America's legacy, it's like, oh my god, like, no, get out of here. And so it's really cool that they start this episode off kind of showing him that he's a real person. And I, I liked that. He is walking around in his locker room from when he back when he was in high school, and he peels off a name tag sticker that's on one of the lockers, and underneath it, either it was engraved in there or he personally engraved it. It says J H for John or J W for John Walker. Uh, I just thought that was really cool. I mean, I'm a I'm a sucker for that sort of nostalgia, and I think if I was in that same position. Uh, if I was John Walker's, what I'll say, not if if I went back to my high school, I it probably wouldn't be that sort of feeling. But uh, for someone like him, if he went back to his school and uh, you know was doing that, like that, what a what a cool feeling to have, just on a personal level, of knowing just how far you've come. And I think that's something a lot of us can relate to, you know, and a lot of the older viewers too, if they're even you know if they're even catching that. But just that. You know, you think back on, you know, all the accomplishments that you've made in your life and you look back on that moment when you were in high school and you were, you know, the world was your oyster and everything was out in front of you. And as as time goes on, you know, that window slowly starts to narrow as you settle into what your life would be. And for John, he's lucky enough that and we'll find out exactly how lucky he is i'm sure but he's lucky enough to be the new captain america and you really see it in him kind of sitting there talking with who i assume is his wife uh they didn't you know my wife and i were watching it and thinking she didn't think it was his wife because you know they do that kiss where they hold each other's hands maybe it's because of covid who knows but she does say she loves him and he loves her too so i'm assuming that's his wife and so he says to her he says everybody expects me to be something and i don't want to fail them and just the you know that that's a really strong statement and it's something that uh, again, I think a lot of us can relate to. I'm sure that's something that the original Captain America uh, had to deal with as well, especially at the very beginning of his tenure when everybody wanted him to be something and he didn't want to fail. But it, it just it really was a humanizing moment where he's sitting there feeling the gravity of the situation, realizing what his life is about to be. And uh, so she leaves and his buddy comes in who is uh his name is lamar hoskins and we'll talk about him a little more but lamar hoskins is actually a marvel character and uh is talks with him for a little bit as well and same thing he says uh this suit comes with expectations you can't just punch your way out of problems anymore and that was a really interesting uh I thought kind of comment too, because again, we don't know much about John Walker in the MCU, but the way that he says that, it almost makes it sound like John Walker was sort of a violent person or, uh, you know, used violence a lot to, to get what he wanted. But I just, it, it was a great conversation with the two of them. And, and obviously looking back on the episode after it's, you know, been completed, uh, there's a really interesting sort of dynamic here because, Again, at the end of the first episode and the whole theme of this show, we're being led to hate John Walker in a sense. And for, for you know, for good reason too. You know, he's he's the guy that they're choosing to be Captain America. It doesn't make sense. Sam should be the next Captain America. And now we're getting into this uh, this conversation around race in America, and it's it's dove in even deeper in this episode. And so it's just a really interesting, I thought, that 
His sidekick is black in this case, Battlestar, Lamar Hoskins, and his wife is black. So he's he's being portrayed not necessarily as a bad guy in the sense of, you know, oh, he knew exactly what he was doing when he took the shield from Sam. Like, he knew exactly what kind of America he was trying to perpetuate. He seems more like the kind of guy that is... Uh, he, you know, if, if you could make the argument as the guy that says, I don't see race, that uh, I'm colorblind, because he, he would say, oh, you know, I'm not a racist. My, my best friend is black. My wife is actually black. Uh, so I don't think they are positioning him to be that sort of linchpin. Plus, that's incredibly on the nose for both him as a character. That immediately makes him a very one-dimensional character. I mean, sorry to anyone out there who is racist, but you are a one-dimensional character when you're in that vein. Like, there's nothing more to know about you, right? Like, you're not a good person if, if, if that's what it is. If John Walker was a hardcore bigot, some sort of racist, we're not going to, like, you're instantly not going to like him. And so them trying to humanize him this way, I think is really diving him into very interesting territory for that type of person because there are so many people out there that have zero idea of how their lives have been impacted by people of color in positive ways and then also how their life is negatively impacting people of color in other ways as well. John may have no idea that, you know, Sam was in the running for this or that there was even a voting process. And, and I don't know if there was one, but you know what I mean? Like there, that there wasn't even a voting process of who's going to be the next Captain America. He is strictly assuming that, and he says it towards the end, he's assuming that he put in the work and he, he did his best and he got rewarded for it. And he doesn't see, maybe he doesn't see that there is a race problem right now, like many people in America do, because again, he's, he's surrounded himself with people of color and he's trying to give this whole merits based argument of why he deserves to be Captain America. And so I think that leans into him being a very interesting character if the show chooses to take that path going forward of him having to reckon with what was put on his shoulders because that is something that I think a lot of people, specifically white people in power, don't realize. They don't realize what is put on their shoulders when they're put in power, especially in larger positions of power. You know, you think about the the business owner who decides to promote his son over the really hardworking person of color who clearly deserved it sort of thing, where John has no idea of that, but the key is going to be when he is presented with that information, and I really have a strong feeling that that's going to happen based on other things that are going to happen in this episode, is that there's going to be something in future episodes, especially around these other characters that we'll talk about here soon, where he is going to be confronted with this idea that, hey, you're not necessarily a bad guy, but you are perpetuating a system that has consistently kept people of people of color in a position that is lower than where you are. And he's going to be faced with that choice of, do I fight this system? Do I give up my own power in order to benefit others with less power? Which, at the end of the day, is a very, very Captain America thing to do. 
Uh, is he going to do that, or is he going to choose to keep the status quo, to keep himself in power so that that same status quo is maintained? And to me, that is a way more interesting conversation and a way more interesting character than somebody who is just flat out, I hate people of color, a, you know, a flat out racist. To me, that's really boring storytelling because not only have we seen that a million times in the movies, but that's, you know, obviously there are a lot of people like that in America, but there are a lot of people in America too that have no idea about these problems, that don't, they don't register these problems because they don't, they're not affected by those problems. Someone like John, maybe he's probably never really been affected by uh, a race issue because he's had a really great life. I mean, he says it's, he went to West Point. We hear about it when he gets out there on the football field and starts talking about I mean, he, he's talking with the, the news lady, and he says, how did a guy like me end up here? And again, looking at it from this perspective, you'd go, well, you know, I can think of a couple of things right off the bat of why you got here, and maybe this is a reason that, you know, the government chose you. Again, you got blonde hair, blue eyes, you're tall and white. And, uh, you know, the, but he's not thinking of it as that. He's not asking it because of that. He's just, you know, rhetorically saying, wow, well, why me? But it's a very powerful statement because that is typically how that response is, is, oh, haha, you know, why me? And it's like, yeah, why you? Like, yeah, that's the wrong. And, and the news lady answers her, his question with the answer that, again, is the status quo type answer. Oh, here's all of your reasons why. She says, uh, that he got three medals of honor. He is uh, he was part of uh, hostage rescues and counterterrorism. He tested off the charts in all categories, including strength and speed. And while she's saying this, it's showing some really cool footage of him throwing his shield and all of this stuff, which I thought was really awesome. Again, I I'm not I'm not bashing this scene at all. I'm just trying to kind of bring this this into focus sort of thing. I thought this whole bit was awesome, and. He says, but I, he, he basically says, I think it's, it's because of guts. And he, he explains it this way, which I also thought was interesting. He says, I'm not a Tony Stark. I'm not a Dr. Banner. I don't have any fancy tech and I don't have super strength, which to me, I think is cool because that means that him and hopefully society in general now, they've, they recognize that Dr. Banner is professor hulk right like he's calling him dr banner but saying that he has super strength so i'm assuming that means because he's he's the smart hulk which is is so cool and but he says but i have guts and he says he also says i've never met captain america before but i can say he feels like a brother and i i laughed at that bit too because like like i said on a surface level to somebody who is going back to their high school the high school uh, I don't think it says where his high school is. I might be wrong, but you know, if you've got a, the name of your high school is Custer's, uh, you might as well just say that it's you know. Um I'm trying to think of who I, well, great. I'm glad I actually can't think of any of the, the civil war, uh, the Confederate soldiers, but you know, it's basically one of those things where you're out of school. They are, they don't care about the deeper meanings. They don't care about how this is impacting society as a whole. They are just glad that their, uh, their high school hero is captain America now. And when you look at it at that, uh, that level, it makes it so much more interesting because everything that he's saying makes sense. Like on the surface, when she goes over all of that, you're like, oh yeah, he's the perfect Captain America. Like he's super strong. He's clearly super brave. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't he be Captain America? 
But the interesting piece of that is you're you're missing so many of the qualifications of what it truly means to be Captain America. And it's funny because that's a I think that's going to be something that the show it's clearly already diving into is society perceives Captain America as something uh, which is honestly less than what Captain America truly is. Like obviously everyone who sees Captain America they're seeing this ideal that they need to aspire to, but to them it's kind of John Walker, right? Like it's, you know, oh, in order to be Captain America, you need to go to West Point, you need to get all of these medals, you need to work really hard, which is all important things for sure. I mean, yes, but at the end of the day, the true Captain America is somebody who's willing to put his life on the line for others, who's somebody who's willing to stand up when they see something wrong uh, and try to make it right. All of those much deeper qualities that we've yet, I've yet to see with John. I think maybe even got just the tiniest glimpse of it at the very beginning. But again, he he even says it himself, like people are expecting me to be something and I don't want to fail them. Well, what is it that he's wanting to be for them? Is he wanting to be that superficial Captain America? Or is he actually talking about diving deeper and becoming the true Captain America that we know and love that Steve Rogers embodied? And that's obviously that's a plot of the show, right? Uh, I personally don't think that John's going to get to that level. Like I said, I think he's going to hit a crisis, crisis of consciousness. Uh, or con- conscious, yeah, consciousness that, uh, you know, he's gonna have to make a decision of is he gonna be another cog in the wheel? Is he gonna be the government's Captain America? Or is he gonna do the right thing and pass the baton to someone who actually deserves to be Captain America or who clearly embodies Captain America in a much bigger way? Somebody that Steve saw in himself. And I, that even even that goes into further pieces of this episode, and so and, and we'll get into that. But um, I also wanted to mention too, if if I hadn't said it before, I love his costume. I think his costume is awesome. It is such a great play on the U.S. agent costume. But at the same time, there's a couple bits in the show, especially in this episode, where his his suit is very reminiscent of police uh, colors, uh, or not necessarily police colors, but like the police light colors, the red and blue lights. And uh, it was just funny. There's a scene at the very end of the episode where he's standing by a police vehicle. And we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. But I just, I I liked his costume a lot. So he, from there, the next scene is Sam going into what is presumably just a military base. And there's these posters on the wall that are Cap, it says Cap is back. And it's got John Walker, and then on the bottom of each poster is a U.S. Army logo. And I just had to laugh at that as well, and I wanted to talk about it here because I just, again, it goes back to that idea that to the government, Captain America is is the finest soldier is who it is like it's it's whoever is top of their class the best soldier they're not looking for any other qualities than that uh and you know whoever that is great right now it's john walker but i thought it was funny because of course they would use captain america as a recruiting tool because you know if it wasn't a recruiting tool why do you have the u.s army logo on these posters you don't need to have that logo on the posters unless of course now a kid you know kids all over the country are going to get these posters put them on their wall and they will always have the U.S. Army in the back of their mind from seeing that poster so they can think maybe one day I will join the military-industrial complex 
and become Captain America. And it's so, in that vein, it's really sad uh, because, you know, they're not going to, right? Like, there's only one Captain America, and it's going to be, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, it seems like, right, with Steve. But, you know, who knows how long John's going to last. But just really sad that they would use that as a recruiting tool for people to join the army. And obviously, I'm digging a little bit deeper than what the show is indicating but that's just what i saw based on the things that i saw when i was in high school i mean they had posters all over the walls about joining the army and a lot of those posters are not you know not overtly telling you to join the army they are telling you why you should join the army and in this case you know it's because cap is back and you know oh he wants to serve so you should serve too i thought that was interesting but then of course you know and i love it bucky shows up and reams sam for his decision i thought that was great he was watching john uh get announced at the high school and he looked really upset and he goes to bucky and he says uh you know why didn't you take up the shield and he and he you know says i don't have time for this he's like i've got my own thing going on and i, I again great from the last episode I'd, i had talked about and i talked about it in the last actual podcast episode as well about how sam was the one that was reaching out to bucky he's the one that had been calling bucky why we don't know yet but here he is and he, he really doesn't want anything to do with bucky he's like get out of here like i've got my own my own thing that i've got going on but he says a really cool bit before the trailer bit. So there's a, there was a clip that they showed, and I'll dive into it a little bit here. I already dove into it in, in a prior episode. But, um, but he says, you're not going to come here in your overextended life and tell me my rights. I loved that line. And Bucky kind of seems a little taken aback, but not so much that he stops talking. He keeps going at him. And uh, Sam essentially explains to him what's happening. He says, I'm going to uh, Germany to... Uh, you know, investigate this, uh, the, the Flag Smashers. They've got something going on. Red Wing found them. And he's like, you trust Red Wing? And he's like, yeah, of course I trust Red Wing sort of thing. But he says, I think, I think they're a part of the big three. And Bucky doesn't know what that is, but the big three is androids, aliens, and wizards. And he's like, you know, so you're saying it's Gandalf? He's like, how do you know Gandalf? He goes, well, I read The Hobbit in 1937 when it came out. Uh, that line hit both times I watched it, that line hit during the clip. I love that. Any time that you can date Bucky back into when he was actually alive in the 30s is awesome. I think they should take full advantage of that, and they clearly are. But what I love, too, is you know Sam is basically telling him, like, this is what I'm doing. You clearly have an agenda. Like you've got, you're trying to make me feel bad, all that stuff, but I'm, I've got a job to do and I'm going to go do it. And Bucky's like, I'm coming with you. And I just coming off of that last episode, I, I tend to think that that is because Bucky in a weird way is thinking, finally, I have something to do. Like I'll come with him and, and, and you know, figure these things out. But uh, I loved that. I loved that he just, you know, and, and Sam doesn't tell him no, but Sam also doesn't tell him anything. He doesn't tell him the plan. He doesn't tell him nothing. And they're just sitting in the plane staring at each other and it's so great. And, and you know, Sam jumps out the back. Bucky's like, where is there another shoot? And uh, Joaquin's like, you know, you can't use a shoot. We're only 200 feet off the air, like off the ground. That wouldn't work. And so he rips off his jacket and you see his vibranium arm and he's like, all right, fine. And so he just jumps out the plane and lands down on the ground and i loved that scene that that every time any time really that we can see the super soldier 
is I'm here for it. I, I loved seeing it in the first, all three of the Captain America movies, loved seeing it in Infinity War when Captain America and Black Panther run ahead of the crowd. That I lost it every time I saw that in theaters. It just was, the way they do it is so badass. And so here too, him falling through the trees and then slamming in the ground. We got you, man, like you're a badass. Uh, but then of course, Red Wing shows up and Sam says, I got that all on camera. And Bucky's like, get this guy out of my face or I'm going to break him. And I thought that was awesome too. So they they end up meeting up at this warehouse and Bucky just wants to dive in. He just wants to tackle these people. They see some people hauling things and they're, he says that they're hauling medical supplies. And Sam's cautioning him like, hey, hang on a minute. Like, I get it. You're an assassin. I can fly, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, we need to kind of prepare a little bit. And he uses Red Wing to scan the area. They end up finding out that there are eight people there, presumably eight super soldiers, though at that time they only think it's seven with one hostage. And uh, we find out very quickly that that is not a hostage. But he makes another great line where he's, you know, Bucky, uh, Bucky's just kind of walking around all, all hot and bothered. And he says, man, little time in Wakanda and you come out White Panther. And he says, actually, it's the White Wolf, which again, great call out. But I thought that was a great line. That was really funny. And, uh, and so then they, you know, they say, oh, well, they're, they're stealing vaccines. And uh, we'll get first off. We get this great bit where they both run out of the the place, chasing after the trucks. The trucks take off. They chase after them. Great shot. But then we get another super soldier moment where Bucky runs probably just as fast as Captain America ran, ran in Infinity War, chasing after this truck. Jumps on the back, and he's like, he says, "They're stealing vaccines." Now, guys, I gotta tell you, I uh, I I kind of have a a saw. A, a, a soft spot is growing for the Flag Smashers. For me, only because every time they're on screen, they keep hinting at things where I'm like, is what they're like their goal actually that bad? Like it sounds like they want to re they want to unite the world, they want to do all these things. I mean, their propaganda is clearly working on me. But I gotta tell you, the minute that I found out that they are stealing vaccines, because right now we need vaccines, <laughs> we need to get vaccinated, and I cannot believe that they would steal those vaccines and uh, prevent other people from getting vaccinated in this COVID time, unbelievable, immediately on the bad guy list. I've you know, Whatever, they can't say a single thing to me in the future without me going, well, you stole the vaccines, and that is not good. So I thought I thought that was pretty funny that they did that. Uh, obviously, those were probably written and, and whatnot before COVID, but just cool. And uh, so we get a really awesome fight and uh, just a great fight. We have Bucky fighting these guys. Bucky gets kicked out of the back by the uh, the main girl in the episode, uh, and I don't have her name on me. We don't really know who she is besides her, her, her name. Last name's Morgenthau. I know that. I think it was Kelly Morgenthau, but she's super strong too. She kicks him out of the truck, smashes into a window, and then she jumps up onto the other truck and is just wailing on him. And Falcon shows up. He's trying to do the same, but these guys are tough. They're all super soldiers. And there's a bit where Red Wing shows up to start shooting a machine gun, and she jumps up and breaks Red Wing in half, which was really intense and and even better when bucky says ah, i've always wanted to do that i loved that bit i thought that was fantastic and uh at this point though it looks like they're on the ropes and all of a sudden we see a shield come out of nowhere and what do you know john walker shows up 
and is kicking ass. I loved this scene. I I cheered when he showed up, and I know, guys, I know he's not our Captain America. He's not my Captain America, but we we got to see another person pretending to be Captain America kicking ass. I loved that. I thought it was great. He's you know he's throwing the shield. He's kicking, and then all of a sudden, Battlestar shows up, and he's doing the same. And you've got these good bits. They're all fighting. Bucky falls off the side of the truck and is, you know, scrapes his arm into the side of the truck. We get the great line from Falcon where he's like, "Man, that girl really kicked your ass." And he's like, "Ah!" And so Falcon saves Bucky, who's hanging by a thread, flies under the trucks, and uh, they fly off into a field. John and Lamar, they are on top of the truck still and uh john does this really cool move where he like blocks these hits with his shield with one hand and then he's like side angling his gun to shoot the guy that is holding lamar holding Battlestar. and i thought that was awesome and it's also a stark difference from steve rogers certainly not the steve rogers we saw in captain america the first avenger but over time, clearly Captain America realized that guns were not the answer. He he used them in World War II, just like everyone else did. But I, I thought it was interesting that John was not afraid of it. Not only was he not afraid of losing using a gun, but he was really good with it. I mean, he's he was in a very awkward position and still got a hit off. But they kick Lamar, and he flies off the back of the truck, and he does another really cool move where he throws his shield onto the, the road and Lamar lands on the shield and skids to safety. And then he hops back up and he says, you made a big mistake. And then they punch him and he flies off the back of the truck. So, you know, we're getting to see more of this Captain America. Uh, and I, I might just start calling him U.S. agent. But uh, we see more of John. You can clearly tell that he's... He, he feels like he has purpose. We've learned that from the first scenes. Like he, he knows who he sort of wants to be, but part of who that is is kind of cocky. He felt very cocky in this. He seemed very sure of himself. And uh, But we get this great bit now where Bucky and Sam are walking up the road and they're having that conversation, which, again, I don't really feel like I need to repeat about, you know, oh, the gears are turning. It wasn't the funniest scene. It was pretty funny, but... Uh, but then the better part of this is a very slow-driving uh, little Jeep comes up on the side and uh, John and Lamar are in the car uh, in the back seat. And he says, well, that didn't go as planned, huh? And like opens the door in a gesture of like, come on and we'll give you a ride. And they don't even acknowledge him. And they, they're like, nope. And they just keep going. And he's like, okay, okay, hang on. You know, slow down, slow down. It was I, I thought that whole bit was great. And they finally convince him to get into the truck and trying to just coordinate like you know okay well what did you guys learn all that sort of stuff and and obviously bucky is is silent as the grave he doesn't want to say anything and uh, at one point though bucky does say you're not captain america and he says i've done the work or he says they say that before he goes into the truck i think but he's like i've done the work and he says, oh, yeah, have you have you jumped on a grenade before? Which is, again, a clear callback to him doing that in the army, which, you know, a lot of us have said that's what that is that moment of, you know, you are a Captain America where you're putting your life on the line over others. You're putting the value of other people's lives over your own. And of course, he says, yeah, actually, I've done it. I, I've jumped on a grenade four times. And I was like, ah, great. He goes, yeah, there's this thing you can do with your helmet, like that, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, dude, man, shut up. Like, you are not my Captain America, despite how cool you are acting. I hate this. I hate you. And 
So they, um, you know, they're talking on the on the thing, and he says, "How did you guys even track? How did you guys even track the uh, the flag smashers?" And he's like, "We didn't track the flag smashers. We tracked you." And Sam's like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, we tracked through Red Wing." And he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" But he says, "Hey, Red Wing is government property, and we're the government." And you know, okay, there's no argument there, but still sucks. We also get an interesting mention of GRC, which is the Global Repatriation Council. And clearly this is the organization that is working on sort of getting people back to the way things were after the blip. These people came back. Uh, You see it on posters in the show for those, you know, people have come back sort of posters. Uh, They talk about them a little later in the episode as well. These guys might be a secret bad guy. Uh, That would be my guess. Uh, Or at least that the people in power there are secret bad guys. But we get a fantastic, another fantastic line where he's like, uh, Bucky looks at Lamar and he's like, who are you? And he says, I'm Lamar, I'm Lamar uh, Hoskins. And he's like, okay. And Sam says, I'm going to need more from you than that. He says, I'm Battlestar. I am, I'm, I'm his sidekick. And I'm just thinking, you know, and I'm thinking it at 30 miles a minute, but I'm like, God, you know, of course this Captain America also gets a sidekick. And just like, obviously Captain America had Bucky for a sidekick for a while, but for a while too, you know, Sam was his sidekick. And it's like, okay, this guy's his being relegated to the sidekick. What what a classic government move. But I loved uh, Bucky just goes, uh, Battlestar? Stop the car. And I did I, I couldn't stop laughing. They did this so great. He's just like, you know what? I'm done. And uh and you know, John says right before they get out of the truck, he says, I'm not I'm not trying to be Steve. Clearly, dude, we know it. But he says, I I'm just trying to be the best Captain America that I can be, and it would be better if I had Cap's wingman by my side. And he says, it's always that last line, and he gets off the, the truck, and it, that that's, it just speaks volumes. I took that mostly as, you know, I he doesn't want Sam because of Sam. He wants Sam because of Falcon, and we see this so frequently in this show now, and it, it's a huge sticking point. That's what happens at the bank. The guy immediately assumes, oh, well, you know, oh, do you recognize me? Oh, what, are you a football player? Like, okay, how about a little deeper? Oh, you're Falcon. But of course, no one ever looks at Sam as a person. They always look at him as Falcon, as, and we find out a little later, Black Falcon. Like, what a struggle and and you see then why sam is so against this system because why would you want to be a part of something like that where they don't appreciate you as a person they just appreciate what you can do for them and even this guy says it but he doesn't get it he doesn't john walker is so oblivious to this sort of thing he's just john's trying to just make peace and, and be friendly but there's so much below the surface on that that it you know sam, it does not go over sam's head sam sees what's going on and so the next scene that we get is the flag smashers and they've they've kind of escaped they've gone to a sort of secret hideout i guess you could say a safe house the guy at the safe house makes them some disgusting food and's like oh you know he he's praising them he says oh you guys are so great everybody loves you 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 freedom fighters are pushing back he goes you know people are starting to call you robin hood and again you know and i even said it in my little note was like are they the good guys 
and clearly they're not because they're stealing vaccines but i still wonder that if if that's going to be another big reveal you know in in one of the next episodes maybe it probably would at least be one or two more episodes actually i wouldn't put it past them they they do quick reveals but the fact that oh surprise surprise and he even says john even says it in the car where he says there's these terrorist organizations or these these rebel groups that are amassing resources and sam says it's always funny how the people with the most resources say that and just this idea that maybe the flag smashers are actually trying to do something good uh in the same way that other people have argued they're doing something good and it's just questionable means of how they're doing it i'm just really looking forward to a cool reveal like that if it doesn't happen if they're just bad guys then great let's take them down because you know damn them for those vaccines but uh but if not i think that'd be a cool twist and uh, we'll see because even even if their idea is solid we clearly know that these super soldiers are bad guys and we're going to dive into that in a little bit too of why they're all super soldiers because i have a theory on that as well but um as they're kind of you know relaxing uh the main gal uh, Ma- uh morgenthau she uh gets a text from an unknown number and it says you took what was mine i'm going to kill you basically i, I think is what it said but it's, she he says i'm going to kill you and um she makes a couple of mentions too she's kind of giving the whole rally the troops um, situation type speech and says we can't let the same assholes who are in power get put back in and she's referring to this uh the grc to the global repatriation council she says these people care more about who came back than who was left over and they then they start chanting like one world one people so again there's just these hints that they're dropping that this could be a much more interesting bad guy or bad guy group than we would give them credit for like this could easily just be a one-dimensional villain group they're bad guys we got to stop them like a lot of other shows but i think there's something more to them for sure especially to the to morgenthau i think she's got a little secret past that we're going to find out but uh, at this point we're back on the ship uh the the cargo plane as bucky and sam are flying back home and bucky's just kind of staring at the ground and he says let's take the shield he says let's take the shield and do it ourselves and uh and i loved that i was like hell yeah let's go but then of course sam's like do you not remember what happened the last time that we took the shield and for a second i was like "Yeah, yeah when was that and bucky says maybe he goes well let me remind you i was like awesome and yeah okay it was when sharon stole the shield in civil war i forgot that she had done that and he's like you know she's been uh public enemy number one and but you know cap and i had to go into hiding for two years and uh you know he says i don't want to live our life la vida loca and i love that line but bucky kind of gets this look in his eye and he says okay well there's i think then there's someone we need to meet because sam's worried he's like we got no leads basically he goes i've got somebody and oh man i was shaking in my seat who is this i i was trying to think in my head like who could this be and my first thought went to zemo i was like oh okay it's gonna be zemo no 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 it's a million billion zillion times better than zemo uh so they show up in baltimore and walking down the street and these two there are these two uh kids on the on the ground and one of them's like yo you're black falcon and he's like black falcon well, I'm, I'm i'm just falcon <laughs> and he says no no but he goes my daddy says that you are black falcon he goes okay so then are you black kid 
And the kid kind of looks and he looks at the other kid. He goes, I got him. And then he walks off. Played off as such a sort of cute and funny line, but with so much depth beneath it. That it, it goes back to that whole idea that just, you know, people, especially people in power, that's like one of the easiest ways that you can divide people. It's one of the simplest ways because it makes so much sense. Humans, humans have this, uh, have a habit of, you know, we have to categorize everything, right? Like everyone does. You have to have, you, you know, I need to know when to stop at a red, red light means stop. Like every, we, we categorize and generalize things quickly so that we can worry about other things. You know, there's a, there's a million decisions that you make in your life every day, but so many of those you're not even thinking about because your brain has bigger things to process. And so, categorizing someone as and I'll, I'll say you know categorizing someone as a black kid or a white kid or a you know a hispanic kid it it takes away so much of their own agency and it also takes away so much of their uh, potential i think just because the minute that you put that uh, adjective in front of somebody you're putting them into a bucket doesn't matter what the adjective is you can say oh that's a funny guy okay now that person has to be funny for the rest of their life otherwise they're not living up to that expectation it's the same reason why sam no one ever gets who he is because they see him as black falcon or they see him as the black member on the avengers sort of thing and it, it's so sad because at the same time, like I said, people just, you know, they, maybe they have the best intentions, but they do do that. They profile people and it doesn't help society at all. But at the same time, it's really hard to tell people to move away from that because they, you know, the, there was always a, uh, there was something actually I learned in my sociology class and it's actually something I've practiced for a really long time because it's really, it's honestly really hard. Um, describing somebody to someone else if you were to talk to somebody how would you and, and you were to say oh check out that person over there how would you describe that person would you meet would the first thing that you say be their the color of their skin because for most people it is because again you've got a whole crowd behind you and you're telling your friend hey that person over there and they say which person and you would say oh the uh the black person right over there like it's and then boom you know exactly who it is whereas if you you have to take a step back and go a little deeper it's the person with glasses that has the long hair it's the person with this you're describing sort of thing it's a really interesting exercise because i think it's a lot harder than people would say that it is because again your mind always just jumps to the first thing that you see which is the color of people's skin and uh, so this is just a great lesson, I thought, a great, almost subliminal lesson from Marvel too, or if just from you know from Disney of of not using those those uh, categories on people, not to not call someone the Black Falcon, to just call them Falcon, just call somebody a person. If I, and I believe this, if you just called everybody people, if everybody treated each other the same, right? It's the same conversation. The world would be a much better place. And a lot of that, a lot of that problem starts when you start categorizing people like that. So great lesson. Love that piece. Uh, but we get to a house and you know, who's in this house again, I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, like who could this be? And a, a kid answers the door and, um, uh, Bucky says, is Isaiah home? And I lost it. I lost it, guys. Um, I have been a huge fan of Isaiah for a while. Uh, you guys can check out episode 107, Truth, Red, White, and Black, 
on comics and cinema. I uh, went into full detail on his uh, Isaiah's backstory. Went over his, his how maybe actually I'd be interested to listen to it again to see if there was any predictions that I made during that episode on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But just to hear his name, and as I hear it praying that they do him justice and i know that they will so i'm shaking i'm getting really excited and immediately though then i'm like oh shoot that means the kid at the door is eli and of course at the end of the episode in the credits we do see that it is eli bradley and his uh presumably grandfather isaiah bradley so we are we are witnessing patriot here in this episode now i don't know how they're going to pull that off or, or get that in but i'm here for it i'm here for every minute of this and the longer that we can spend with these characters the better we get a great conversation between the two of them initially the kid says isaiah is not home and um He's like, you know, he's, uh, Bucky says to him, he says, tell him that the guy, it's the guy from the bar and Guy Yang. He says, he looks at Sam, he says, I had a skirmish with him in the Korean War. So they're already uh, changing his backstory a little bit, which I'm honestly, I'm okay with because I, the, the idea, the, the saddest part, I think, of true of the Truth series is, you know, the fate of Isaiah and what ends up happening at the very end of it, and it's, you know, spoiler for a very old comic, I guess you could say. I think it's like 10, 10 15 years old. But um, he goes crazy. You know, he's he's been experimented on. He's He was put in jail for a really long time and treated so poorly. And because he was not given the help that he needed, his brain cracked. And he, he developed these sort of, excuse me, these sort of mental issues of uh like he lost a lot of his memory he didn't really understand who people were and so he was essentially a shell of a man by the end of this and that worked really well for the story because it really showed the impact of the military on on the the you know the black community especially in that i mean i have i'm not even touching on it but the you know they they experimented almost like the tuskegee 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 uh i think it's tuskegee the tuskegee uh experiments is is basically what it's based off of in that same sort of oh let's test on these people so that we don't actually have to test on our soldiers just the worst thing that you could ever do and so we get hints of that in here and so he the kid comes back he says okay he said he wants to see you and so uh, you know, Sam's kind of looking at him. He says, well, you know, who is this? He goes, this is one of the ones that Hydra feared the most. That's what he says, almost as if he's remembering his time in Hydra. But he says, we met in 51. And he goes, yeah, if you mean, if you mean met, meaning that I whooped your ass, then yeah, we met. He's, and, and he says the U.S. Uh, the U.S. had sent a bunch of people into Korea to fight the Winter Soldier. And all of them died. So they dropped him in, and he took half of his metal arm. And he says, now I just wanted you to come in here to see. He goes, it looks like your arm grew back. And then he goes, he says, I'm not a killer anymore. And he says, you think you can wake up one day and decide who you want to be? He says, well, maybe for folks like you. And that's just goes right back to that idea that, you know, Sam, Isaiah, they are being judged the minute that they walk outside on the color of their skin. They don't get to decide who they want to be because society is telling them already. Society is putting them in a box the minute that they walk outside, walk out that door. Except for Bucky, it's a lot easier because he's been pardoned and you know no one's really going to notice him in a crowd, that sort of thing. It's just 
what a powerful statement and um he says uh you know oh he he tells sam he says he was a hero and he says yeah a hero they put my he, he says you know what they do to a hero they put my ass in jail for 30 years running tests taking blood coming into my cell that's that when he said coming into my cell that actually scared me because i can just imagine this poor man being experimented on and in a way tortured and just to feel so violated that someone could just come into your cell whenever they wanted and do whatever they wanted and he said even your people weren't done with me and regarding hydra it just and he's like you need to get out right now and he tries to tell him like there's more of us that are out there like trying to tell him that these other super soldiers have shown up and he needs their help and he's like get out you need to get out right now and so they leave and sam is pissed he's like why didn't you tell me about this and he says i eventually he says i didn't want to tell anyone because he's been through enough but they're arguing on the street and there's a there's a baltimore police officer's car right down the street and of course because a you know an african-american and a white man are arguing in the middle of the street it's pertinent for the police to show up to try and break up this discussion that they're having this conversation that they're having such an accurate depiction of all the stuff that's been going on not just now and not just in the last few years but since you know the dawn of of the american justice system it just and the guy cops gets out and he's like hey sir excuse me can i see some id and he's like sam's like what are you talking about like dude come on man and bucky they look at bucky and say is this guy bothering you and i was half waiting for bucky to be like yeah he's bothering me but like he's my friend but he says no he's not bothering me he's like sam just show him your id and and bucky finally says do you not know who this is and the one cop goes over and whispers to the other cop and he says oh my god i am so sorry mr wilson uh, I did not real. I did. He goes. I didn't recognize you without your costume, and it goes right back into that conversation. All they are seeing is his skin color, and they are immediately making a judgment on him. Immediately assuming that he is a criminal, and immediately trying to. They let's be honest. They were trying to arrest him or, or find some reason to arrest him. And of course, as uh, Marvel has been so good at doing here, we get the whole flip on the head, and instead, Bucky gets arrested, and we're like, what? I was not expecting that. And they say uh, Bucky missed his therapy appointment because obviously he's been he's been uh, kind of uh, moonlighting with Sam at this point. And so he gets arrested. He gets taken back. And it's just I mean, this is again, this is the third time now that we've seen Sam have to experience this along with, you know, with being the kid. I call the kid one a minor experience. But uh, with the banker in the last episode, with the cops in this episode, they are not shying away from. Uh, from these conversations and i'm really glad for it because this uh, they already announced that the first episode was the highest streamed episode in uh, disney plus history at this point so hopefully this show does too and hopefully people watch this and take these lessons to show and see exactly what what these problems are and why these are problems still in our country but by then um, they go back they arrest him and he goes to the prison to get or to the jail to get Bucky out and meets the therapist and he's like, Thanks for doing this. Like we, you know, we had some stuff to do. She's like, Oh, that wasn't me. And we see <laughs> we see uh John Walker and he's signing some autographs in there. And I again I was just like, Hell yeah, like John got Bucky out. Let's go. This is great. And so I was like, 
damn it, John, like, I like you, but I hate you, and I'm really trying to hate you, man, like, I want Sam, Sam deserves to be Captain America, I want Sam to be Captain America, but I am enjoying John being Captain America right now, like, I, I think that was, it's an interesting, it's just, it's, it's super interesting, and it's like, of course, he, he just has to say the word, and, uh, Bucky is out of prison, and she actually makes a mention as well, she says that she did field ops, with the therapist uh she did field ops with john walker which just again dives into that that piece i talked about in the last episode that i think there's a little more to her i don't think we're gonna see it but they're just they keep hinting at her being like this secretive operative where she knows what she's doing and he says too he goes he's no longer required to do therapy sort of thing he's like i'm gonna have him working for me so if you could please just do that that would be great and uh, i was glad for that just because you know i'm always on bucky's side right like whatever he he just get going obviously he needs therapy and he he should do it but it was still a cool bit and so she says you know before you leave she goes i'm gonna do we're doing a condition of your release therapy right now and uh so and sam's like no i'm good out here she's like nope you're both coming and so they're sitting at the table and she's trying to get them to talk they won't really talk and just a great scene they show it in the trailers as well but they really dive into it here she says all right we're gonna do the miracle exercise and she he's like do you know what that is and sam says yes and bucky says no and she's like all right well if you woke if you went to bed and a miracle occurred while you were sleeping when you wake up in the morning what would that be that would make you the most happy and she's like well doc my miracle would be if sam just stopped talking and i i, I thought that was great he's like oh great yeah she goes okay this isn't going to work she says we're going to do the uh man i forgot what the uh, title of it was but it's like the oh the soul searching or the soul connection uh, exercise and so both of them have to scoot together really close very funny i was laughing and they have to stare into each other's eyes and she says bucky uh why does sam aggravate you and he stares for a bit and he says why did you give up that shield and he says, why are you making such a big deal out of it? And he says, Steve believed in you. He believed in you enough to give you that shield. Why did you give it up? That is his legacy. And he believed in you enough to pass that legacy on to you. And so if you're saying, if, if he's wrong about you, then he's wrong about me. And Sam says, well, I need you to appreciate that I did what I thought was right. And I think that is, I mean, that that is the most powerful conversation in this episode is that exchange because Bucky, the poor bastard that he is, Bucky is so hung up on his past. He has killed so many people. He has done so many terrible things and it all was out of his control and yet captain america steve rogers believed in him he told him i know that you're more than than the winter soldier i know that you can come back from this so if he is feeling that same way about sam and sam is essentially saying that he's wrong or that you know captain america is wrong in that sense then is captain america wrong about bucky too that bucky can't be saved what a whirlwind of emotions that is i just he the fact not only was bucky so honest about it but that is just to have that weighing on you this idea that you don't believe in yourself bucky has zero self-worth he is relying 
on the belief of his closest friend and he is hanging on to that like it's the you know the <laughs> he's hanging on to that like it's when cap was hanging on to the bar and the ca- the helicopter is flying away and he's pulling it in he is hanging on to that so tightly and he doesn't want his world to crumble around him he wants to believe because someone else believed in him but at the same time sam is saying something that's so powerful as well which is sam has that that's something that bucky doesn't have sam has some of that self-confidence to know okay if i think this is right that i like i need to do what is right and that again just shows you one more time why he deserves to be captain america because he is making that decision i mean it's the same thing of like you know the best person to be captain america is the one who doesn't want to be captain america right like they're they deserve it because they're not trying to take that mantle for the power they're not trying to take it for the other things and it's to have that all in one little exchange is amazing i thought was insane and so they leave he's like thanks doc you know thanks for making it weird and they all leave and he's well and he tells the doctor he says all right how about this he says, I'm going to, what if I just squash this right now? Sam's saying this. What if I just squash this? We don't argue about this anymore. We do this mission and then we go our separate ways. And, and Bucky's like, deal, that sounds great. And so they leave and he says, uh, you know, oh, we're free agents now, like time to go. But then, like I said earlier, uh, we hear the cop sirens again, just like we heard when they were in Baltimore. And of course, though, this time it's John Walker and, uh, and Battlestar and they're standing there and uh you know standing by this cop car just just letting off the alarm like a fun you know the fun guys that they are like haha you know the police it's not a big deal we work for the government and and i liked that in the way that they showed it but there's just such a deeper meaning there too of like okay yeah we can play with police alarms and we're not going to get in trouble whereas so many other people are so afraid of the police and wouldn't even dream of that but and that's where the kind of that costume design came in too because he's standing right next to that car and his costume and the police lights are all red and blue and i was just like man he really is you know representing that power structure but uh from there he says i um he says it wouldn't make sense to work with you sam says because uh john's like we really should work with each other like we should work together and sam says you've got your own government protocols like you've got your rules of engagement and we're free agents we don't and so he says it wouldn't make sense we'll just go our own separate way and so he says okay that's fine but you need to stay the hell out of my way and i was like okay there there's that john walker cockiness again like he he's he maybe he's putting on a a guise maybe he actually is a piece of trash more so than i think he is right now because i think he's a little bit of a piece of trash but not so much that he's you know deserves being you know destroyed sort of thing like hayward but uh i think he's on the (laughs) he's on the road there for sure so the last scene from then is or we get another scene where the uh flag smashers are loading up those vaccines hopefully they're taking them you know into my area and areas of need because we need the vaccine Uh, i can only hope that's what they're doing but all of a sudden one of them gets a text message or an alert whatever it is he looks at his phone and he says he says they're coming he says the power brokers men is what he says power brokers men and this is where and i'll dive into that in here in just a second but he says the power brokers men are coming when right now and so he says i will hold these people off morgan thou she uh looks at him and is like okay you know thank you and he says the same thing one world one people and runs off 
and a bunch of cars are driving down the road. He pushes a light pole uh, down and the vehicles kind of stop, come out. He tries to stop them and they all just start shooting him. So he dies. But at the same time, the, tr- the plane does take off. They get away and there's a guy there and he makes a call to somebody and he just says, hey, they got away. And then the final scene is them is uh, Bucky and Sam walking down the street. And he's like, hey, you know, Isaiah was talking about my people. He was like, don't, you know, don't take that too literally. He was like, no, he meant Hydra. He goes, and Hydra might be a good place to start. And he's like, you can't be thinking what I think you're thinking. And he says, yeah. And basically he says, we need to go talk to Zemo. And I loved this. They, he, uh, Sam kind of gives this, yeah, all right, we're going to go talk to Zemo. And the minute that he says that, the music swells. And it's just this gorgeous you know, crescendo. And we get the shot from Civil War of the giant roundabout in whatever country that was. I think it was in Germany. And uh, But then we, we get into a cell. And so Zemo is in some sort of cell in some sort of prison ward, whatever it is, psych ward. And that's the end of the episode. What I want to dive into, though, is what happens before this power broker. Uh, I, I the name sounded so familiar, and I was looking it up. Uh, there's a couple of people who are power the power broker uh, as a person, but then there is also a um, a team or whatever called Power Broker Inc. And I'm I'm thinking the way that it the way that it sounds and the way that it's like oh this sounds very um, you know very familiar. I almost wonder if it's from the sam wilson captain america stories i just i know i've heard power broker somewhere but as i'm looking at this the organization so it says power broker inc is a fictional criminal organization that provides individuals with superhuman physical abilities for a price and there's also a piece of it as well where they actually rent out these people so essentially like you could hire some super soldiers to get the job done sort of thing and uh, it says it was founded power broker inc was founded by curtis jackson and carl malice and same thing with that i was like god i know i've heard carl malice before and i think that's because um carl malice is he's heavily tied to uh carnage and i've been reading king black i've been reading a lot of stuff with carl malice and and that's why but uh, what i found was really interesting when you go and look up lamar hoskins uh, as Battlestar, Battlestar, his powers in the in the comics come from the Power Broker, so he got that treatment to get superhuman abilities, and so I wonder. Well, and actually, the way that they said it in here too, or I think they say it in in Power Broker's kind of storyline, is both him and john walker get powers from them so with that in mind i'm very curious to see how they interact because i i wonder if that's the twist that they're going to do is john and lamar are going to show up to fight these guys and they're going to offer them power and say hey we can make you a super soldier like captain america and they go yeah hell yeah but uh they do it and then obviously become bad or maybe it goes to their head i don't know but that's my prediction coming off of this episode in regards to sort of the easter eggs from this but what i love most about this show almost more so than wandavision is these easter eggs don't 
they don't weigh on me as heavy. I, I like that they're mentioned, but I'm not thinking about them too much. And I certainly wasn't thinking about them a lot in WandaVision, but I mean, a lot of you, I'm sure, saw so much about, you know, oh, this is Mephisto, or this is the High Evolutionary, or, you know, whatever the case may be, so much of that was wrong. And I hope a lot of people learned from that to not try and speculate as much. But I like that the story here isn't as much speculation. Like, everything here is very straightforward until it isn't. And I think at that point, those twists make it so much more worth it, as opposed to diving so deep into every little detail so that when the twist does come, maybe you knew it already and you weren't surprised. But I like this idea of the power broker being in the background and being this person that has given these eight super soldiers their power so that they can fight. And maybe maybe they even said, like, yeah, we'll work for you. And after they got their power, they escaped to join the flash the flag smashers and be this thing that um you know that's not what the power broker wanted clearly he wants his things back it seems like and so we'll see how that ties in to um it's going to tie into the show though too because it's it's part of the who you know what is captain america like okay and 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 that comes from the falcon and winter soldier comic book that we talked about in the last episode is you know, that's not what Captain America is. Captain America is more than just the physical act- attributes. And so I see that. I see that thread building in this show for sure. And that's that's where I'm going to wrap this up. That's, uh, you know, we've been talking, wow, for an hour now on this uh, episode. But, you know, the episode was almost an hour. Like I said, I loved this this length. I thought this was a perfect episode. Uh, we got a little bit of everything. We got some great action. We got the story moving forward. We got Sam and Bucky getting thrown in together very quickly. And we also got a little tease about Zemo, which I'm really excited. And, oh, you know, we got we got Isaiah and Eli Bradley. So what more do you want? Plus, we got a B-list superhero of Battlestar showing up. Um, just a great episode overall. So for Comics and Cinema, that's where we're going to wrap up. I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you with Zemo next week.